Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I am your host, Perseus Poku. 1 Peter 3.15 informs us to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be ye always ready to give each man an answer or reason for the hope that lies within you and to do it with gentleness and respect. And as many of our listeners are cognizant of, this show strives to educate, train, and empower every Christian in sharing and defending their faith. And today we have a special guest Uh, He's a graduate of Talbot Theological Seminary. Uh, He speaks nationally to small groups as well as large groups. And he has a special passion for our youth and young adults. So we wanted to welcome uh, Brother Sean McDowell to the show. Sean, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Perseus. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. And for our listeners, uh, Sean is also... Um, a very published person in terms of his authorship. Uh, He's written Ethics for Our Young People, and that's being bold in a whatever world, and then Apologetics for a New Generation, which the subtitle says, A Biblical and Culturally Relevant Approach to Talking About God. So my first question to you, Sean, is can you tell us what Christian apologetic is? Yeah, this is an important question. It has nothing to do with saying that you're sorry. <laughs> and you and I get a chuckle about that, but we got a call at Biola University where I live, and a lady picked up the phone and said, I just want to know why you have a program at Biola University to apologize for the faith. <laughs> and we do apologize for the faith, but not in the way that she took it. Right. The apologetics, as you know, comes from 1 Peter 3.15. You cited it. says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always be prepared with an answer. For the reason within, and you know, for the hope within, and give it with gentleness and respect. And the word for answer or defense or reason is apologia in the Greek. So it simply means apologetics is the theological discipline that all Christians are called to do, which is just to be ready with an answer for why we believe God exists, why we think Jesus is God, why the Bible is true, why God may allow evil when people ask us, and to give thoughtful, uh, respectful answers. Amen. Now, please share with us, how did you get started in Christian apologetics? Well, I grew up in a family where people are in the world of apologetics or really the evangelical culture. (laughs) Over the past 50 years, they've probably heard of my father, Josh McDowell, who's just written some mega bestsellers, spoken a bunch. And he's he's an evangelist, but he's written books like Evidence and Demands Verdict, More Than a Carpenter, Mm. which are just defending the Christian faith. So, no doubt some of my interest came from just seeing a father write on this, be passionate about this, care about this, teach me in that way of thinking. But also, growing up, I didn't plan on going into apologetics. When I got about, you know, 18, 19 years old, I started having real questions. And one of the things that drove me into apologetics was just trying to answer my own hmm. tough questions, which is, is God really three in one? What on earth does that mean? How can Jesus be the only way? Is 
Darwinian evolution inconsistent with Christianity? I mean, all these questions that are really significant. And I just started to also look at this generation as I love working with young people. They have questions. They want to make sense of the world. And so my family background, my own questions, my care for young people, I just found myself driven into the world of apologetics. Excellent. I, I do appreciate that testimony. Now, tell us a little bit more about the your ministry. Uh, when I looked on your website, um, it's just a wealth of information for those that's thirsting for knowledge uh, in terms of their faith as well as their purpose. So tell us more about the ministry the Lord has placed on your heart. Sure. I teach at Biola University, and I'm in a graduate program where people can get an MA, a master's degree in Christian apologetics. And really, all you have to have is a BA in anything. We have an on-campus program, we have a distance program, and we're rated the top in the world uh, for Christian apologetics and graduate programs. And I work there. I teach classes on the resurrection, classes on Mm. church history. Um, I'm doing one come up recently, uh, soon, on sexual ethics. So a huge amount of my ministry is just being a professor and training people to go back to the local church and be a resource to the local church. I also still teach one high school class. I was a Christian educator for 10 years and worked in a classroom teaching worldview and apologetics at a private school. So I still do one because I just love working with students, and I also I get a chance to speak and write and just try to be a voice for the next, this next generation so adults and parents really care about them and understand them and are motivated to raise up a new generation that, frankly, has more challenges just one click away than you and I had, you know, all the way through high school and maybe right. even college growing up. Right. So you mentioned the distance learning through Biola. Can you tell us more about it? Uh, one of the things that um, I come across is there are a lot of Christians uh, in local churches. They may not be able to get to seminary uh, in terms of uh, physically being present on campus, but they can definitely uh, still gain some information and insights through distance learning through a seminary like yours. Well, let's face it, anybody who's motivated enough can buy Christian books, watch debates on YouTube, and just educate themselves. But the ability to discipline ourselves, the ability to know which, how to really spend our time and our resources, and the accountability is really, you know, sometimes what it takes. So we have a, it's only 35 or 36 uh, unit masters, so it's very doable. Mm. We have students from age 25 to probably 75, every discipline you can imagine. We have lawyers, doctors, teachers, business people, engineers, pastors, stay-at-home moms, and you can go at the pace you want from a distance. So you could just, you know, knock it out in two years, or you could take a class at a time and be in the longer program. So we have, we'll set up dialogue chat rooms, we'll, people will do research papers, sometimes we'll send lectures to watch, they'll do group projects. I mean, we just set up, I think, the best program that's out there to help people think through really the big core issues that matter most to our faith. So I just got done teaching a whole class on the resurrection, mm. and we worked through the two core most important books on the resurrection, had great dialogue, they wrote papers, I gave a ton of feedback, and then they'll have classes on the problem of evil with my colleague Clay Jones, who probably has studied the problem of evil as much as anybody alive, and just has some incredible insights 
intelligent design, I mean, all these sorts of issues. <laughs> and a lot of it's by distance, so you just come out for a week or two, depending on how many classes you have, to the campus uh, in June, live on campus, have classes all day, hang out with students, and then the rest of the time you'd be working from a distance. So the secret is some people think, oh, distance, you lose the quality, but our pro- our students absolutely love it because of how much the professors really pour into helping them learn. And just for clarity, so if a student had questions, someone is accessible to either commu- to commu- communicate with them, correct? Oh, of course. Yeah, I uh, I had students, a bunch of emailed me today for a variety of different classes. I'll get on the phone and talk through a paper. I had a student this morning send me a sample paper. He said, am I on the right track? And gave him some quick feedback. So... Yeah, we do whatever it takes to help our students to learn and develop and become the best apologists they can be. Excellent. We are on air with Dr. Sean McDowell, and he's sharing with us his insight in apologetics as well as his ministries. Now, uh, Sean, what can parents and guardians do in terms of helping to shape their young person's worldview for Christ? Well, I would say two things. The first thing the parent needs to do is start developing his or her own worldview, because we can only pass on to the next generation what we ourselves have. So it's very important that parents start thinking, okay, I'm going to read. You know, I know they're busy, I have a lot of stuff going on, but I'm going to read an extra book or two. I'm going to start listening to stuff while I'm in the car. I'm going to take seriously the growth of my mind, and as parents start to do this, then they're in a position to help out their kids. The second thing would be to start young. Mm. Sometimes they think, oh, when my kid gets into high school or college, then they'll start thinking, no, it starts early. And kids, there was a book called Why Believe that came out recently. It was a study that said kids' beliefs about certain doctrines of God are developed by the time they're eight years old. Mm. So start young. And then third, just in my family, we never had formal devotional times. Mm-hmm. Rather, it was we'd sit down at the dinner table, and my dad would pull out an article, maybe he'd pull out the Bible, maybe he'd pull out something we'd learn, and we'd just talk about it. We'd be driving in the car, he'd raise an issue, we'd talk about it, meaning that throughout just the rhythm of life during the day, mm. little opportunities that come up mm-hmm. in a conversation and relationship through asking questions, he just helped us day by day develop a Christian belief system. I appreciate that example uh, that's practical and it's real life, and that's something I do think it's a good model for all of us to follow, to engage uh, our young people cerebrally. Uh, And I believe that's the way God created us, uh, to worship him, not not just with our heart, soul, but also with our mind. Now, my next uh, question deals with the church. So as, as local church bodies... What can the local church do to uh, properly equip our Christian students for uh, campus life? Well, I think one thing they can do is try to help parents, help parents with resources, help parents with opportunities, help parents with seminars that they need, whatever the issue may be. So just think, too, because it's parents who have the biggest influence on young people, more so than the church does. So I know this is more difficult in some communities than others, but right. if I was a youth pastor, I would sit down and I'd say, all right, how do we engage our parents? How do we train our parents? Or if it's not the parents, how do we get the adults in the church that care involved in the lives of the students? Mm. That's the place that I would start. Mm-hmm. Second, I'd also say the church needs to have apologetic and worldly training at every single level. 
Mm. So elementary, there should be some. Junior high, high school, college, adults, and beyond. There should be very intentional series on how we know the Bible's true, what is truth, intelligent design, problem evil, in an age-appropriate way. Getting kids just kind of involved and engaged and and ready for what comes after. And the last thing I would say is when you get up to the junior-senior year, have some very specific trainings that target exactly what students will go through when they get on the college campus. So there's some great books written in this. A friend of mine, Jonathan Morrow, wrote a book called Welcome to College. And it's apologetics, but it's also dealing with a roommate, dealing with loneliness, setting up a schedule to survive your homework, getting good sleep. I mean, just all the practical things that often can also distract a kid from success in a college campus. So I would chart out a significant period of time in the junior-senior year where you're really helping kids think through, plan, prepare, and anticipate the challenges that are coming. And what I would do with my students, I would bring students who graduated who are in college or recently graduated from college back, and I would interview multiple times and say, what was the toughest part about, you know, keeping your faith? And mm. give us, how did you stay strong in a class when you're challenging your faith? And just really ask practical questions so students have a sense in their mind ahead of time what's coming when they get to the college campus. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, so what are some of the, I guess, repetitive issues or top issues uh, based on your experience that our Christian youth are facing today or that uh, they bring up when you meet them? I would say generally three big questions come up. One is, how is Jesus the only way? Mm. I mean, even if they don't bring it up, studies show that a high percentage of students who call themselves born again or Christian really don't believe Jesus is the only way. Mm -hmm. So that's a big issue. I would say second, the problem of evil and suffering. I mean, that's always been an issue since the Book of Job, and it always will be an issue, and it's typically a personal experience of suffering. Um, and then third, issues of sexuality, in particular homosexuality. That's the elephant in the room. Right. That is that is a hot subject right now, and almost every time, guy over the past six months and beyond, when I open it up for questions, mm-hmm. high school and college students, hands fly up, and I just know that's going to be the first question. <laughs> right, I can imagine. So in, in terms of uh, these issues that they're bringing up, how do you meet them where they are and bring them back to uh, the core of the scriptures? So, so how do we connect what's going on in their contemporary lives to back to the the the, the scriptures and the Bible uh, as some has deemed it old-fashioned or outdated? Well, perhaps the most important thing to do is to build relationships with a young person. Because there are a million-plus voices trying to vie for their time, for their hearts, for their souls. Just one click away is everybody in the world with a different idea. Mm -hmm. Yet if they know that a parent trusts them, cares about them, invests in them, then there's a sense of trust that comes with that. So I found really building relationships with young people, going to their sports games, you know, taking them out to coffee, just whatever it takes to build that relationship helps give you the capital to talk about worldview. The second thing is, I often found in this generation, I ask a lot more questions than I give simple answers. Mm -hmm. 
I think, you know, sometimes I pat myself on the back when an issue comes up, I'll give them the answer. And, you know, I know they can memorize and give me back what I said. And I think, <laughs> great, I answered that one. But if I really helped them think, if I really helped them own that idea, and if I motivated them to go deeper in truth. So in my experience, I found sometimes it's appropriate to give a direct answer, but oftentimes I'll ask a question back and say, gosh, what made you think of that question? How would you answer it? What do you think our options are? What would you think about if somebody said this? And just help that person come to an answer. Mm-hmm. Because when they learn it for themselves, they're much more likely to believe it and own it than whether Perseus or Sean McDowell just told them that they're supposed to believe this thing. Right, right. Uh, relational apologetics. I appreciate Relation- it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, relational apologetics is absolutely correct. So how can we best demonstrate to our young people that uh, faith and reason are compatible? Well, I guess the first thing would be that we would live it, that in our own life they would see as Christians that we're thoughtful, that we're engaging, that when we hold different views, whether it's political views or historical views or theological views, we have good reasons for it. I never had a problem in my life believing that faith and reason went together because my dad is just so thoughtful about things. I might have disagreed <laughs> with him on issues. Right. I mean, we're having a conversation today, actually, where my sister and I disagreed, and we went back and forth on this issue, and it was great. Uh-huh. But I never would accuse my dad of having this blind faith because he's so thoughtful, and he just modeled whatever you believe in any area, think about it, and evaluate both sides, and consider what the other side is saying, and you know, be open to truth. So he modeled that for me, so I just didn't buy some of the nonsense arguments Mm. that the new atheists made. And the third one would just be showing scripturally. I mean, if you just look at the Bible, it's obvious that Christianity is so different than other religions. I read the entire Book of Mormon, and there's a clear dichotomy in the Book of Mormon. They'll say, and I don't have it right in front of me, but I marked and wrote a whole doctrine on this. Multiple times it'll say, if you have knowledge, then you don't have faith. So knowledge and faith are opposed <laughs> to each other. But when I look in the scriptures, it was it's that we would know something and have knowledge, and then we would exercise faith. So even the end of the book of John, you know, in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it says, all these things written down so you may know that Jesus is the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. In other words... Right. These stories, these evidences, these examples were given so we have confidence and knowledge that this is true, we have good reason, and then, mm. and then we believe it. So I think if we model it, and then we just help people see that scripturally, Jesus said, love God with your mind. The Old Testament says, come let us reason together. Right. And I think few young people are going to buy just really, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, the nonsense arguments that faith and reason are opposed. Exactly. Now, the last question, we only have a couple of um, minutes left, but the last question is, can you tell us more about um, the Apologetic Study Bible that uh, you helped to compose, and what makes it different uh, or more unique than the other Bibles that are out there? Uh, Thanks for asking that question. The one that I put together is the Apologetic Study Bible for students. There's an Apologetic Study Bible that's kind of for adults that's fantastic. A professor of mine put it together very scholarly, tackles some tough subjects. The Apologetic Study Bible for Students, I was the general editor. And what we did is we got the 120 top questions mm-hmm. to ask about God, about the Bible, other religions, ethical issues, 
And I got people who know apologetics, but also those who could really communicate with students with stories, with examples. And their one-page answers just kind of interspersed throughout, throughout the Bible. So questions like, if God made everything, why is it wrong to smoke pot? <laughs> Great question, right? It is. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? Right. Is Christianity and intelligent? Is evolution and Christianity incompatible? Um, what do Mormons believe? I mean, just these real-life questions. And then there's study notes on the bottom that all relate to tough questions that people have specifically about the faith. And then we have these other features. There's archaeological notes in there. There's some stories we added in. There's these fast facts that we put in there. There's tactics. And we also had twisted scriptures, the most common scriptures that different religions will twist. We put just quick responses to it. So I just got numbers recently, and it's blown me away how many it sold. Because I Praise think it God. just really hits a, hits a nerve that people have. People want to know. Right. It's true. How do I answer my friends' questions? How do I answer my own questions? But not too heavy, not too academic, in just a practical, tangible way. And I really think I've done about 15 books, and this is one of the hardest books to put together, but also one of the most fun and rewarding because people just really seem to appreciate thoughtfulness that went into it. Sean, I want to thank you so much for again spending a few minutes with us on Sound Reasoning, and it's my prayer that we have an opportunity to connect again, and uh, thank you again for being on the show, and we really do appreciate it. Perseus, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you. That was Dr. Sean McDowell. His ministry is apologetics for our young people. And as he was saying, 1 Peter 3.15 commands us to be ready as Christians, to give each man and woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us, and to do it with gentleness and respect. And we definitely cannot leave out our young people. So uh, please, parents, please, pastors, please, guardians, let us set good examples by showing them how to worship God with our heart, soul, and definitely our mind. And then please consider being a financial sponsor and supporter of Sound Reasoning as we endeavor to share the gospel uh, through the sound message uh, in, in the name of our Lord and Savior. So thank you all for your prayers, and we will see you next time on Sound Reasoning. And remember to do for the truth, what others do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught, so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, 
guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.